Chilling like villains uh, at 6:56 p.m. It's a Monday night. It is uh, September 25th, 2023, and I'll tell you, this week has already gotten off to a pretty interesting start. Number one, because the week started last night, a really, really um, fantastic marathon kind of an episode that I did with uh, Matt Christensen filling in for the uh, irreplaceable blonde. But I, uh, I sat in for a night, and we did the news, we talked a little bit of this, we talked a little bit of that, we did Super Chats, and then we had a big lengthy discussion about personal issues, faith, God, and all that toward the end. And that went past midnight, Eastern Time. It was really something special. Uh, it has been a long time since I've been on with Matt. I had to fill in for Blonde once before. I was asked to, I didn't have to. Very honored to have been asked. And um, today... Got to sit down and start writing for, quite frankly, a fresh, fresh week, fresh off of this health retreat. I'll talk a little bit about the retreat later, though. I'll spare a lot of the details and bigger themes for October 6th. I'll spare it until October 6th when Jay Gulinello comes back to talk about it. Because it was really wonderful. Really, really wonderful. And like most things, the best thing about it were the people. Um, just fantastic people all around those who are running the event those who attended the event so many of them watched this show so it was an eye-opener and very humbling in that respect especially when you start realizing how long how far people are willing to travel to hang out and to uh, and to do something um it's just it was really nice and now here we are we're kicking off a week with our good friend rich barris Rich Barris is going to be on around 7.25. I'll bring him in. There's plenty to do with him. And, um, my, you know, the trending topics of the day, whether it be the all the talk about Operation Paperclip, because suddenly there's a lot of people who are realizing just how many Nazis came over and wondering who really won the Second World War. Did the Second World War end? That's a real question. But... Um, we're going to have Rich on for that. Maybe a little bit of polling just to talk about what's going on. All of the, uh, the very prominent people that are dealing with sexual assault stuff. I heard Cat Turd was, uh, was just swatted. Over the weekend, I was talking about the dangers of popularity. And swatting came up. We were talking about that up in the retreat in the mountains. Had a lot of, a lot of candid conversations about a whole bunch of stuff. There's a bunch of little mini shows all throughout the weekend, but none of them were recorded except for one. We'll talk about that later. Um, another thing that just happened is the channel, at least for now, because we'll have about a thousand people unsubscribe later. But we just hit 100,000 subscribers on YouTube, and I guess I'll just—I was going to bounce off at the halfway point, but it's almost like a celebratory event. So. I think I'm going to leave it on YouTube just for tonight, for the entire show. And since we don't have, we'll, we'll, we'll commemorate it in some goofy little way. Not going to be too crazy about it. But one thing I can do for you all tonight is I can premiere a music video that I directed. 
that I actually had finished up over the weekend remotely with Al Gorbachev, who's one of the, uh, the, the video producers for the show. And we finished that up over the weekend while I was in Vermont. And, you know, we're, we're sending cuts back to each other. I did a music video for my brother's song, um, Swimming Through Air. I've played it on this show before. It's a really, really great song. And I always, I, I always had this vision uh, that I wanted to, I just wanted to see play out. And I thought it would be really great to take songs like that that were produced in-house over here and and fill them up with, not just if they don't already have a lyric video attached to them, to fill them up with something that would be really awesome to marry to all of our live programming like we're going to have tonight. So I'm going to premiere that for you tonight. I didn't know I was going to do it, but I just want to do something celebratory. And, um, and that's what we're doing. So thank you, everybody. Thank you. It's a long time coming. The account will be terminated uh, by tomorrow tomorrow noon. You watch. But at least we said that we did it. I hope that I have enough time to to apply for one of those those YouTube buttons that can hang on the wall. I hope that the account survives long enough that I can apply for one of those buttons. But it should be good. Rich Barris tonight. Nurse Penny. Nurse Penny Whitbrote is going to be on with us Wednesday night, where that's going to be the first of two consecutive shows about NDEs, near-death experiences. And it's going to be a week that we have a lot of that, the proof of heaven. That'll be on Thursday night with Dr. Eben Alexander. It's going to be great. Uh, Friday the 29th, I don't know if I have anything, anything going on aside from Matt stopping by and then next week we got mike williams he's coming back sage of quay for part two of our beatles conspiracy discussion that will also be the night monday october 2nd is the first session of our next installment of quite frankly book club and you guys still have chance you still have a chance to go out there and become a sponsor so you get the exclusive access to the live sessions there's nothing that beats that even though it just it feels great to follow along, even if it's after the fact. But if you want to get in there live, have some of your comments and your your takes on what we're reading get read onto the episode for, you know, for all time, then become a sponsor for as little as $2 a month and then go get your your copy of Mario Puzo's The Godfather. Jay Dyer has, is coming back to do his second book with us in the same year. And we are going to be doing, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to put out the official thread tomorrow. But if you are intent on being part of that book club, I'm telling you right now, the first four chapters for next Monday. All right. So it's up to page 88. You'll be staring chapter five right in the face. First four chapters. But I'll put the official thread out tomorrow. And there you go. We're back at it with another book club. If you didn't read books before the book club in 2023... You've already read four amazing books. And, oh, well, it's going to be four, right? Or did we? Or is this is the fifth. One, two, three, four. This is going to be the fifth. See? You just follow me. If you haven't been reading, you say, oh, I read five books in 2023. That's all it's about. All right. That's that. So that's what we're doing tonight. Thank you to my sponsors, BlueMonsterPrep.com, as always. You're wonderful to me, and this audience is wonderful to you, and you're wonderful to them. So uh, do not wait for any of the craziness that is going to be thrown into our laps for 2024. Get prepared with food, water filtration, communication, first aid, and, of course, all the knowledge that you're going to need to use it properly. 
I know you know how to use food, but there's a lot of great specialty equipment on Blue Monster Prep that Pat and Gina can help you with, and they are very, very hands-on with the audience. They love you because they are of you. So, bluemonsterprep.com. Use promo code FRANKLY. All right, let's jump into the grab bag here because I want to get started. I'm getting antsy. I ate so much organ meat over the weekend. I ate testicles. It's the first vacation I went on where testicles were in my mouth. That was horrible. That was a horrible thing to say. Let's keep, let's go on. Um, FEMA. FEMA plans to test national alert system on October 4th. Did you hear about this? Well, you better watch out. You better watch out. Get ready for an alert on your cell phones, televisions, radios on October 4th. At 2.20 p.m., the federal government will test its nationwide emergency alert system and wireless emergency alerts. The purpose is to ensure that the systems continue to be an effective means of warning to the public about national emergencies. Cell towers will broadcast the test for approximately 30 minutes. That's a very long test. That's a very, very long test. All wireless phones should receive a message only once. It's probably going to be a dick pic from D.C. It's probably going to be Bob Menendez's ass. <laughs> it's just something. something. A, uh, people, will, uh, people will cell phones. Oh, people will cell phones will get a message. Well, who wrote this? SeattleTimes.com. All right, cell phones will get a message that reads, this is a test of the National Wireless Emergency Alert System. No action is needed. Phones with the main menu set to Spanish will display it in Spanish. I'm not going to read that. To help ensure, embarrass myself, I already did it once. We're only five minutes in. To help ensure that these alerts are accessible to the entire public, including people with disabilities, the alerts are accompanied by unique tone and vibration. Yes, it's going to vibrate. Come all ye faithful. And then all your favorite hits from the top 40. All right. Let's see here. Here's another headline for you. This is not going to shock any of you. A pride flag ban sparks accusations of betrayal in a tiny Michigan city. This city of 28,000 was once so Polish that it was dubbed Little Warsaw. But in recent decades, an influx of immigrants, immigrants, okay, gave Hamtract a new character. Bengali and Arabic joined English on signs at City Hall. Yemeni and Bengalisi. Mosques, restaurants, and shops proliferated. Oh, the cuisine. And last year, a Muslim who immigrated from Yemen as a teenager became a mayor. The city's first leader in nearly a century with no Polish roots. Alongside what is believed to be the nation's only Muslim city council. All Muslim city council. Many residents in this tiny enclave just north of downtown Detroit saw these changes as a sign of Hamtrak's progressiveness. Oh yes, very progressive to have something done to you uh, with no choice. The Muslim community that had previously experienced discrimination, including voter intimidation and resistance to mosques, public call to prayer, because who wants that? Who wants that pumped into the... I mean, you know, I, I understand where it is where it is uh, appropriate in places where that culture is dominant, places, parts of the world where that culture is dominant, but 
Man, oh man, the transition is really tough, ain't it? Including voter intimidation, finally taking its seat. They've taken their seat at the table. So what happens when the seat at the table is taken? What happens? Well, this is fun because you have two different types of special interest groups. Muslim special interest groups and just general white progressive, you know, LGBT, whatever, those type of special interest groups. Whatever it is, if you, you they use the same kind of thing where they are the minority, they are the ones who are petitioning for equal rights. When they are the majority, there are no equal rights. That's just what happens. And now, like we said before, with auto cannibalization and seeing two types of special interest groups who have been told time and time again that you you this all of our all of our progressive um, all of our progressive goals and ideals, they're intersectional. You see, we're all the same. And we're, all of our needs and wants are intersectional. There's nobody above the rest. Of course, until the people that you're banding together to get rid of are gone, and now it's just you and your allies to deal with. Whose intersectionality is going to be prioritized? It's always going to come down to cannibalism if you do not talk about liberty. If you do not stand by any kind of principles that actually leave individuals alone to do whatever and to also allow those individuals to to set a culture now obviously the the culture of the region is changing but is it a natural change of course not of course not nothing that when we t- when we talk about demographic changes in the united states in the last 50 years none of it is natural the refugee programs especially in the midwest we know what's been done to minnesota to illinois we know we know what's going on we know what these programs were setting up setting us up for and now here you go it's just really interesting to see the face-off between the um the progressive slices of the pie chart to see them go after each other because there's nobody else around to fight um we welcomed here yet the ethnic cultural and religious diversity that made ham track uh, something of a model is being severely put to the test in June, after divisive debate, the six-member council blocked the display of pride flags on city property, action that has angered allies and members of the LGBTQ community who feel that the support they provided the immigrant groups has been reciprocated with betrayal. Hmm. Hmm. We welcomed you, former council member Katrina Stackpool, a retired social worker who identifies as gay, recalls telling the council this summer. We created nonprofits to help feed, clothe, find housing. We did everything we could to make your transition here easier. And this is how you repay us, by stabbing us in the back? You're, you're dumb. I mean, no foresight. Talk about having lack of foresight. None. The complete abandoning of foresight. Of course this was going to happen. Of course. But you want to know something? You do that to other people. It's just being done to you now. And it's just, it's just you know, fracturing into smaller little situations. And um, it's, unfortunately, there's, there's no reversing it. So there you go. Well, um, some others in the LGBTQ incorporated community have also... Um, recently felt betrayed by modern art not only not only the muslims in their community who you could have known were never going to abandon their principles their especially their religious cultural societal principles that wasn't going to happen and uh, now they feel abandoned by and betrayed by modern art there was a there was an aids memorial i think in 
in where is this? I don't know. I think in Florida or something like that. Well, it's not going over too well. This this um, this monument that was made. Take a look. There are concerns tonight about raise, uh, being raised about an AIDS memorial planned for downtown Palm Springs. Right now, the sculpture is planned to look like this. These pictures you're seeing here, and some people don't like it. News Channel 3's Jake Rossi live in studio with more on the controversy and possible changes in response to those concerns. Jake. And John, it is a nine-foot sculpture planned for a Palm Springs park meant to remember lives lost to HIV and AIDS. But the design doesn't resonate with everyone. In fact, some call it inappropriate. And the committee in charge says they are now listening. It's the proposed AIDS memorial sculpture, raising hundreds of thousands of dollars in the community and stirring up controversy over its shape. The round limestone statue with concentric carved circles meant to represent the diverse community impacted by AIDS. Instead, it looks like a butthole. It looks like a butthole. Looks like a, they got the balloon tie effect and everything over there. Okay, and um, that's just, there's nothing else to say. Of course, we have the concentric circles and the intersectionality. It's an, how could, if you're the sculptor, you look at this and how do you say, no, 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 it doesn't, no, it's fine. It's eye level opening, signifying connection, reflection, and hope. Brown eye level opening. So there you have it, connection, and yeah, I feel, when I look at this, I feel hope. Hope, I can feel hope just squirting out of it. But it's not seen by everyone that way. Some saying it's too abstract. <laughs> It's really strained. I mean, it's this is almost like a piece of art looking for a purpose instead of the other way around. It could be about anything. And as a consequence, it's kind of about nothing. Yeah. No, no, no. No, I think we know what this is about. So don't take the, the Seinfeld line on this. It's the show about nothing. That is a butthole. So, yes, you're right. Anyway, and in New York, there is a general feeling of betrayal that continues to be expressed in very New York ways at Mayor Mushmouth Adams. I enjoyed this a little bit. This was courtesy of our good friend Leroy Press. Take a listen. Feel that. Feel that. That feels good. That feels good. But of course, he went out. He had a nice steak. He had a nice steak that night. God knows what else. My countryman right there. I was on a mountain trail at one point over the weekend, and we, we got up to this nice scenic area where you can just you can just see out and you see mountains for... It just goes on forever. And when I, when I found out, I determined what direction we're looking in, I realized that I wasn't looking in the, in the direction of, uh, it wasn't east toward New Hampshire, it was New York. I can see it from Vermont, I can see out in the distance, that's the Adirondack, th th that's New York right there. And then I said, that's my country. That's how the founders would have said it. Virginia was your country, New York was your country. They got rid of all of that uh, proper identifiers, those proper identifiers as we had as Americans. 
it wasn't, oh, yes, Montana, my country. I don't know anything about my Montana. New York's my country. So, and this is, my, this is one of my countrymen. And that is the call. That is one of my countrymen's calls, a very, very familiar call. You hear that a lot in the streets and right field bleachers at Yankee Stadium. Anyway, the Post, New York Post, they went and they did a little investigating uh, uh, about John Fetterman's wardrobe issues. The Post tried eating at New York City's finest restaurants dressed like John Fetterman, Senator John Fetterman. Fetterman, And here's how it went. Uh, They were kicked out. Intrepid Post reporter John Levine er learned that the hard truth this week that when he crisscrossed the Big Apple's culinary landmarks wearing Fetterman's trademark hoodie, gym shorts, and sneakers and tried to gain entry only to face scorn and mockery from maitre d's with more common sense than Congress. He would not be permitted here, sniffed a maitre d' at Daniel on the Upper East Side, never been to Daniel, where a seven-course lasting menu runs $275. Sign me up. A seven course, oh man. She admitted she didn't know who Fetterman was. Well, he doesn't know who Fetterman is either. Don't worry. We have turned away guests for being improperly dressed regardless of their occupation, she continued. And, um, but yeah. No, I'm sorry, sir. You can't dress like that here. We have a very formal dress code. Oh, it's fine. I'm depressed. Oh, well, come right in. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? Can you imagine walking into a place where there's a dress code for one reason or another just because there's the, the institution has some kind of dignity that they want to uphold and, and being dressed like a slob, and when they tell you you're not dressed appropriately, you say, it's okay, I have depression. Can you imagine? Well, here's something else for you. Get this kicked off before we go into the, uh, the main show. This is still just the appetizers. Mexican demon doll has been arrested. Would-be thief was using the infamous Chucky to terrorize locals, it was reported. This is from RT. I love when I see stuff like this. A man who had been using a knife-wielding Chucky doll to terrorize and rob locals in northern Mexico was arrested, finally. Local media reported the horror movie doll was also handcuffed and taken into custody. The man identified only as Carlos N., was accused by authorities of using the doll, which has been popularized by the Child's Play horror movie series, a disturbing public order endangering uh, the public and, let's see, the disturbing public order endangering the public and demanding money from them in uh, Monclova in the northern state of Cujulia. I don't know how to say that. Earlier this month, he put the doll in their faces and was scaring people. Juan Raul Alcocer says a former director of the Monclova police. It's an offense, and for this reason, he was arrested. It was also reported that Carlos N. was under the influence of an illicit substance at the time of the incident he was charged under, which occurred in the city's main public square. Both both Carlos N. as well as the offending doll were taken to a local police precinct where both were handcuffed and their mugshots taken. The Chucky doll, which is still has a large knife protruding from his overalls, was propped up against a wall and held up by its hair while a mugshot was taken. Why didn't they include the mugshot? I want to see this. That's great. Good on the Mexicans for making a little bit of fun out of this. Um, let's see here. Uh, however, the police officer who handcuffed the doll reportedly at the request of reporters was later admonished for the move. Oh, okay. So I guess they don't have that good of a 
sense of humor. Some journalists would jokingly tell him to pose with a doll to put handcuffs on it. He must take his job and the regulations seriously, not play those games. I know. I know. Out of all the things that we're dealing with, you'd think that somebody would take a moment to just laugh. To just laugh. But, you know, I love that I saw this because recently on Instagram, I came across a reel from Child's Play where um, the, the doll comes, comes finally just comes to life as the mother is like shaking, you know, whatever. And he starts cursing at her and all that stuff. Well, I, I found a reel that was overdubbed in Spanish. So I have a Chucky in Spanish. They said Chucky in Spanish, it hits different. Take a listen to this, and then we're we're off for our, we're off for the rest of the show. <laughs> I wish I knew how to say that in that voice. I would just say that as I was walking through the door, oh, any door. Now, I know I would say that I would laugh uh, if the, if a doll came to life and started doing that to me, but I wouldn't. If a doll actually came to life like that, that'd be some scary-ass shit. I think I'd be able to overpower power the doll. But being in that situation alone would disturb me very much. I'd be very disturbed. I think you all would. There's That's unnatural. Anyway, let's get this one started. Rich Barris is showing up in a few minutes, and I can't wait to see him. All right? The coronavirus, we pray that it be dissolved with healing, with healing, with healing. Your cervix, your penis, your vagina, your buttocks, your colon. Go wash your hands. You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about stand food. Up. It's oh. about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Autumn on Quite Frankly. That happened over the weekend. I left the day right before. And uh, I've been thinking about this. Sitting here in this seat. This and other things. I think about a lot of stuff. 
But I knew that this was going to be a good night when it did finally come, and I was very, very patiently waiting for it, because I had other things to do before that. So, tonight we got Rich Barris coming on in just a couple of minutes. He's the director of Big Data Poll, and um, I also have his locals link in the description of this episode, so you can keep up with them outside of the norm his normal appearance schedule on this show, which is the last Monday of every month. And I know that we're knocking on the door of a very big historic year for any number of reasons. We just don't know. And uh, what it comes down to is there's a lot of talents that Rich has, mathematical talents, statistical talents. He knows how to analyze trends, get to the bottom of certain things, and he can be trusted more than most people can. But it, and, and, and Rich and I talk about it all the time. We're just getting to a point in our history where there's only so much he can do. There's only so much we can do to show where we are trending as a people, and that's it. Because results don't ever really necessarily match as you know what I mean, match where we're going and match what should be happening, what makes the most sense. So uh, it's great to understand the mind, the heart, and where people are. And then you have to go outside of the statistical realities and the history, and you have to start thinking like a crook. You have to start thinking like a psycho to see where, uh, what's next? Where could we be going next? And it just, here's an example of it, cat turd. He said, I was swatted during my podcast today. The caller pretended to be me and told the cops that I've stabbed someone and had a gun and I was going to kill myself. This is the result of being doxxed over and over by leftist outlets. You can imagine how dangerous this is. I'm okay. The pets are okay. And the local cops were fantastic. Thanks for your concern. I'll continue to talk truth to power. I won't stop. Love you all. Now, people will say, well, that's what happens when you're over the target. And I guess to a degree it is. But, you know, Bill Cooper is what happens when you're over the target. Uh, this is now really can be attributed to a general culture, invasion of the body snatchers culture, where all you need to do is merely differ to receive the kind of treatment that we're seeing either with here or with Tim Pool and all the swatting that goes on there. And you just always hold your breath if you do something because to differ is bad enough, but to differ with any degree of popularity just adds another level of danger to it all. And it, it, it really is not even about being over the target sometimes. It's just about different. When we say over the target, we mean like, are you touching on a really, really dangerous nerve? Are you breaking a story? Or, or are you getting down into a, a hidden piece of history, a hidden piece of something, and bringing it to the surface, something that has been buried for a long time and for, for creepy-ass reasons? Uh, it's really just about living around a lot of people who cannot viscerally hang with someone that is thinking differently. And it, um, I don't know, people have been trained. They've been trained to have visceral reactions. So it, it's scary. It really is. And this should be generally applied. Should be generally applied. Then we have this. I'm going to read just a couple of minutes of this seconds of this and then we're going to bring rich barris on because i'm sure that he's going to have a lot of fun things to say about it in canada a little bit of a snafu here trudeau and Zelensky 
Honor a 98-year-old Ukrainian World War II veteran who served in Waffen-SS. Well, I mean, Nazi battalions are, you know, the main thing driving whatever you would call the Ukrainian effort right now. But this is a big whoopsie. The Parliament of Canada provided a loud all-party standing ovation Friday for Yaroslav Hunka, a 98-year-old who served with the Nazi Waffen-SS during the Second World War. Hunka was a soldier with the 14th Galicia Division of the Waffen-SS, the military section of the Nazi SS, which was responsible for elements of terror from massive extermination camps to the daily torture and repression of citizens within occupied Europe. The International Military Tribunal that oversaw the Nuremberg War Crimes uh, trials declared the SS to be criminal organization. The Associated Press captioned of a picture documenting Hunka's presence, describing him as having fought with the 1st Ukrainian Division in World War II before later emigrating to Canada. So, research and any other kind of really responsible dig into what a person's credentials and past really is, be damned, because he was fighting the Russians, which... Even it's even stupid and short-sighted and shallow, dodo-brained to go and venture to uh, venture on comparing Russians or Russia in 2023 to Russia in the beginning parts of the 20th century after after the fall after the October Revolution. It's already stupid. To compare the two, you can just tell why this programming, how this programming is being implemented. Across the board, they don't want anybody to have really any kind of nuanced understanding of history and how things change even in places like Russia over time. What they want you to know is now in 2023, Russia bad, okay? And anybody who fought against them at any point in the last 200 years is a hero because that will... that the fight carries on against this perennial villain. Morons. Morons. So many of them. Anyway, we have our good friend Rich Barris coming on with us right now, and I can't wait to just... I'll just want to jump, jump into this one right now with him. Uh, Rich, how you feeling, man? Oh, yeah. We're feeling ba- good, brother. How you doing? You all rested up from your vacation? You back ready to... You about ready to come back and help save the country? Or oh, what? yes. Oh, I'm ready. I'm always ready for that, man. The, 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 the vacation was, was, was great. I'll talk a little bit about that later on. Everyone but needs one. Yeah, everyone needs one from time to time. Yeah. But, um, but as far as what's happened in my, in my absence, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Listen, you want to start with Canada? Oh, my God. And I was listening to you while I was waiting to come on. I mean, Frank. I'm listening to, you know, I go to Real Clear Politics a lot, and I'm I'm listening to this clip from Glenn Greenwald, and I'm just, like, stunned that this is where we are. He says, you know, the corporate media and the left, they see a Nazi under every MAGA hat, and here they are literally applauding a Nazi. This is insane. You know, (laughs) part of this is when you lose – when you lose touch with your history, you try to rewrite history, you even hate your history, whatever it may be. Um, I mean, I was watching these idiots on Twitter who supposedly are journalists for, like tweeting as if they don't know that it, the Russians fought on our side in World War II. There has not always been this hatred, this 
knee-jerk, um, I don't even know, it's an irrational hatred, Frank, of Russians. And it's a shame because, you know, we've used them as allies in the past to defeat the greater evil, the greater threat. And that is by all prescriptions from people who are actually smart in international relations, you know, whether it's Mearsheimer, even offensive realist, defensive realist, nobody thought it was smart to force Russia to basically uh, form a balancing coalition against the United States and, and her weak, feckless allies in NATO. Uh, but yet that's what we did. And these people are so rabidly anti-Russian that they it just they didn't know that they just didn't get it and I, i'm watching the man as they're clapping and he's it's just disgusting you know he's like oh thank god you know 20 years ago if they would have found out i'd have been hung did you wait, wait, wait. did you hear I'm, I'm did you hear applauded. trudeau did you hear trudeau's statements I did. I have to. I, pl I have to play this for people first. This is this is what uh, yeah. Kenneko with the break, uh, great head put out there not too long ago. Justin Trudeau comes out. He blames Russian propaganda for ca for can Canadian Parliament honoring a Nazi. Look, just look. Just take a look at this this little bastard. I hate this quizzling. Obviously, it's extremely upsetting that this happened. Uh, the speaker speaker has uh, acknowledged his mistake. Uh, and has apologized, uh, but this is something that is deeply embarrassing to the Parliament of Canada and, by extension, to all Canadians. Uh, Stop. I think Stop. No, I mean, like, he should have right then and there just stopped. Just stop, yeah. But there's always a but, Frank. Right. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, you, no, 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 no. There's always a but. I, I think it's ridiculous. I mean, obviously, the speaker is probably has a little bit more uh, autonomy in, in picking who is going to uh, be honored or be present inside the, the, the parliamentary chambers over there. But uh, even that was just like, oh, well, the speaker. To, to push off the responsibility for everything. Let's go. <laughs> let's go. Here, here he goes now because he goes from the stopping point where it would have been uh, embarrassing but acceptable, and then we go to this. But this is something that is deeply embarrassing to the Parliament of Canada and, by extension, to all Canadians. Uh, I think, particularly, of Jewish MPs and all members of the Jewish community across the country who are uh, celebrating Yom or commemorating Yom Kippur today. Uh, I think. It's going to be really important that all of us push back against Russian propaganda, Russian disinformation, and continue our steadfast and unequivocal support for Ukraine, uh, as uh, we did last week with announcing uh, further measures to stand with Ukraine in uh, Russia's illegal war against it. Yeah. I mean, what's... Uh... Dummy, do you know how many Russian Jews you have in your country? Dummy, a lot of them... Uh, this is just... Uh, it, it's... It's incredible. It's it's truly, truly incredible, Frank. And why, by the way? Because Russia was a safe haven for Jews for a long time, a long time. And Ukraine has been a harbor for Nazis for a long time. It's time people, you know, talk about propaganda. That's propaganda. The truth is, here, you know what else is propaganda? Every major media outlet from Reuters to the Jerusalem Post acknowledging from 2010 to 2021 that there are in fact, a, there are in fact Nazis in very powerful positions 
in the Ukrainian government. They're a rising problem even when they were uh, anti uh, Poroshenko's regime, anti uh, the or before the coup even when they were essentially separatists. This has been an issue, and then all of a sudden. We go and in, in, you know and in, and get involved in Ukraine, and nobody's allowed to talk about the Nazis there anymore. Also, they don't even exist. Some people push back on the idea that they even existed, Frank. Even though their own networks and their own newspaper outlets, their own what uh, you know media companies themselves had reported on the the Nazi problem in Ukraine, I saw I had to do it one day for a show. I paired two CNN headlines next to each other. You know, it's like. Now, fast forward to today, you, there's no Nazis. That's a that's Russian propaganda. Yeah, ten years ago, they're like, you know, there's a real Nazi problem in Ukraine. Right. It's uh, that's propaganda. I know. And th- and those people and those people uh, were were making minced meat out of people in the, out of uh, out of Russians, mostly ethnic Russians in those eastern provinces. Um, in complete right. disregard to any kind of agreements, um, I don't know how many Minsk agreements there were, but there I, I mean, criminals, Frank. I mean, it, well, and that's the other thing. You, you, is a deeply corrupt, vulgar, barbarian country where they uh, look at look at they, they they're celebrating the torture of Russian soldiers that any chance they have to, or or get to exact revenge on a surrendering Russian soldier, which they think. This is how screwed up they are, Frank. They think they can then post it to X, formerly Twitter. They think they can go post it to their timeline and celebrate it as because that's their real value system. Friggin Zelensky canceled the election, people. He outlaws adversarial media. He outlawed the opposing party. This is not a democracy. Vladimir Putin, are you ready? Here we go. Get ready for all the uh, the attacks. Vladimir Putin was right about them. He's also right about the Nazis. Is he some, does that make him some great, you know, moral standard bearer? No, but that's irrelevant. We called Uncle Joe Stalin, Uncle Joe. He was a murderer, a mass murderer. Yet he was our ally against real Nazis. Uh, let's also let's also not forget that um, Trudeau's father, Fidel Castro, agreed to play strategic nuclear missiles f- f- with Khrushchev in Cuba, and he was a, a, a big part. I mean, this is I don't care what people say. He is Fidel Castro's bastard child, and for him to him to be talking about Russia's, I mean, seriously. I mean, he, he his father surprised me, Frank. Yeah, Are you kidding me? I don't know. At this time. In no. this day and age, well, and also what to the say, hell is there to be surprised about? And also to say illegal wars. I know that the, everybody has to com- continue to pad everything that they say. What the hell is an illegal war? Isn't it just a war? Um, I, I mean, is, is it ever a good thing? Is it ever very, very, you know, fun to hear about people warring and killing each other, regardless who's the aggressor or who who has a claim to one thing or another. It's just, I cannot stand the padding, the vocabulary padding of every statement anymore. It's just so annoying and so weak. And you see people on the right using stuff like that too. And they got that, they derived that rhetoric straight from the left. You know, I, I, you know, I like unjust, uh, because sometimes your cause can be just. That's true, even though war is hell no matter what. Um, but he's got a lot of nerve since they basically bent over and participated in every single unjust conflict the United States has ever started in the last 50 years. Mm. So, I mean, uh, or more, more, sorry. 
longer than that. And uh, so, you know, in their minds, they uh, they own the UN or once upon a time they did. It's getting away from them, obviously, now. Uh, but you were, you know, justified and within legal uh, bounds if you got a resolution from the United Nations. And then that was like, your cause is just, right? Nowadays, they don't even ask for that anymore. If you're in NATO or you're in the NATO alliance uh, or allied with nations in the NATO alliance, then you're the just ones. If you're anybody who's outside of NATO, once upon a time, the Warsaw Pact, you're the evil ones. And uh, again, it's incredibly stupid because this is what bothers me about foreign policy. Donald Trump was the only foreign policy realist president we've ever had. The Gipper was a realist, but his administration, like Trump's, um, had a lot of neocons in it. But the Gipper never let the neocons run wild. Trump didn't let him run wild. But at heart, the Gipper was a little bit more, uh, he was a little bit of a believer in moralism in international relations. Trump is not, he's a realist through and through. And sadly, there is no room for moralism in security studies or international relations. There's just not. Foreign policy should be void of that. That is, smart decisions are not made with your heart and statecraft. That is stupidity. And anyone um, who has half a brain would be a realist. I'm sorry, I just never, even in college, I never, I, I just couldn't even abide by people who argued for the, you know, the democratic peace theory or neocons were a joke to everyone. So I, I, it's amazing they have this much power in the real world. Neoliberal, same thing. Liberalism, same thing. International liberalism is what it was called back then. These are all idiots, you know, and the real smart money was, of course, to check the rise of China. And we're only lucky right now because their economy's you know, not in great shape. But in order to do that, you're going to look for a powerful nation state to ally with that is in China's sphere of influence, because we are, of course, in our own sphere and we are an insular power, meaning there are large bodies of water on either side of us and weaker nations we dominate on the other sides. We don't have to worry about being invaded by China, you know, because they're like south of the border or mm -hmm. something. Right. Um, the smart play would have been to work with Russia, with Vladimir Putin to check the Chinese. And instead, and by the way, India as well, which Trump was doing all of that because he's he laid it out in his speech his first year of president. He called it structure or principled realism. And it was good to, to somebody who studied international relations, which I did because I was bored at one point. Um, it was music to my ears. And that was the right way to go. And now We've done the stupidest possible thing we could do, which is push the other great power in that region into the arms of China. And we're even now losing India and Saudi Arabia. So we're all for what? So we can have Finland, bro? I mean, is this for real? Who, Who's in charge, Frank? Who These is in charge? People on planet Earth. It, well, wherever it is, it's probably Brussels. There, there is a tribunal somewhere that has nothing to do with the uh, this off-Broadway production over here in the U.S. That the acting is so bad, it's not even Broadway. It's we're talking not even Broadway standard. We're talking off-Broadway, man. I mean, it's just so. It, uh, like Broadway I, with training wheels, brother. Well, you you saw you saw that Zelensky asked um, Marina Abramovic or Abramovich, to yeah, be uh, yeah, yeah. ambassador to Ukraine to help rebuild schools. We're talking about what could possibly be the biggest capital for human trafficking in the entire world, and she's being brought in to help the children. 
I, I don't listen. Uh, you Frank, we're pay but you know what? If you're him, you don't feel any shame asking that. Why? Because you're already getting pensions for you know paid for by the United States. Uh, they're already funding like welfare programs and social programs for you. One, what's one more ask to the dumb Western elites who think that money is literally printed, you know, uh, growing on trees, you know, that they could just print whatever they need. Uh, it, he's not checked at all anymore. He feels no shame, no restraint. There's, he gets, he has the audacity to get huffy when McCarthy says, when Speaker McCarthy for, you know, is never going to really put his foot down, he's already backtracking, but he had the audacity to say, I need an accountability of what you did with this money. Hmm. And it was like, oh my, how dare you ask the leader of the most corrupt nation in Europe to be accountable for your money? How dare you? It's truly gold. It really is. I listen, I'm not even going to say it open in the air, but I, I, this is only a matter of time. There's only two things that could happen. Good. I One, was going to ask. The United States sends in more advisors in the form of ODAs because the Ukrainians don't have any more blood to drain. They're getting bled dry. It is not, I mean, the, 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 the stupid idea to launch a blitzkrieg counteroffensive against a dominant force could only have been drummed up by idiots in Ukraine and their counter idiots that are helping them in the West. That failed miserably. All of those troops, Frank, that were being trained for in, um, in uh, Poland and, uh, and Hungary, dead, they're dead. Every single one of them. So eventually, it's going to be U.S. troops to replace the, the you know, the, the population, the, the killed population. Or we're going to have to pull out, take a black eye, waste the money, and go. That's, the, that's going to be the intersection we're about to come to. When that happens, if he doesn't play his cards right, Zelensky's going to end up upside down, hung like a stuck pig like Mussolini. And I'll tell you one thing. I'm rooting for the other outcome. Because I'm not going to give my sons and daughters to that cause. They're a bunch of war criminals. They're disgusting. As somebody who served, I feel ashamed that we even fund them. They're not worthy of your money, your sacrifice, nothing. And we're bad enough. We have our own moral rights to, you know, that we have to figure out over here. We can't, we can't allow Ukraine to tarnish us anymore. They're disgusting and. I'm sorry because the Ukraine people, I, I, I frankly love them. I love their culture. But listen, the government you elect is the government you deserve. Thomas Jefferson, stand by your principles when the going gets tough. Here we are now. We have our own things to worry about. Uh, and it's you know, they have to take responsibility for their bad decisions. And we have to take responsibility for ours. Because if you're going to hold up Ukraine as some bastion of democracy in Eastern Europe, then we have a lot bigger problems at home than we thought. Oh, oh, oh they yeah. are not a democracy. They are not a, you know, a liberty-loving country. They're, they're. It's an authoritarian regime, a corrupt authoritarian regime. The, 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 and the problem at home is you want to talk about an actual invasion. Well, we're going through it over here. We're going through it Damn over here. Right. I mean, there, there's an actual invasion going on. They keep talking about Russia invading Ukraine. M meanwhile, they're only taking, uh, they're only taking very specific places and uh, not moving forward not moving forward like everybody said though well we, ukraine is the buffer between the rest of the world and russia from their over expansion if they if they if they really wanted the rest of ukraine they could have steamrolled the whole damn thing absolutely and we have already we have these over these abrams tanks that just arrived in in ukraine well, to your point 
who is even going to be around with the proper training to to use these uh, these pieces of te- this, this mechanized warfare technology? And I want to also know, because I've asked this question, just posed it to the audience. I want to ask you what your opinion of it. Um, let's say, let's say that there is some sort of a non-nuclear end to this, where it is just okay. We've got to just eat it, and we did not. That's it. We have we have lost that we're not we're giving up on our pursuit of getting back everything that Russia has taken, and um, and then that's it. The other the question from there becomes what is left of Ukraine is still going to be run by NATO, the CIA, Mossad. They're all still there, and the whole point that Russia, uh, namely Putin, has has been. Uh, pushing for the longest time is uh, we want a neutral buffer. So that I mean, it, it doesn't well, that's just. That's the only way this ends, Frank. That's but, what I'm saying. But I'm that saying, but, but Washington it, and Langley are going to have to get it through their thick heads real soon because the American people are never going to let Ukraine have their sons and daughters. You think that they're gonna going to be convinced? You think they're going to be convinced to leave? Though I don't know how no, you. They're can... going to get beaten, Frank. Like they've been beaten in every other conflict they've started in the last forty years, with the exception of the Gulf War. They're going to be beaten. They're being beaten right now. And I, I'm telling you, Putin's never going to tolerate Zelensky or anyone like him in, in a pro-Western leader in power. He's going to take eastern Ukraine, and that, that's already done. I mean, it's done. He's going to take eastern Ukraine. He's going to take the breadbasket. He's going to take the shale deposits, and he's going to leave the rest of the country, which, quite frankly, doesn't produce a damn thing. To, to be reliant on whatever they give from their good graces. And they, it, it, he, we have forced him to change the calculation. Once a great power is forced to expend a certain amount of blood and a certain amount of treasure, it begins to change their calculation. Once upon a time, he may have accepted Zelensky staying there under a different banner with West, less Western influence, maybe. But, you know, as long as he got more territory and eastern Ukraine was a better buffer, um, now he's not going to accept that. And there's no way we can force him to. Here's the kicker. Folks, I really can't stress this enough. This counteroffensive was supposed to be a smashing success. They all thought it was going to be. Go look up David Petraeus detailing what that was planned, how overconfident he was. The problem is we're not prepared for a ground conflict with another great power in a total war situation. We're just not. We have been fighting guerrilla insurgents for 30 years now. That's all we know, almost 30 years, 20 plus years. That's all we know how to do. We were way over relied on special operations. Poon is not. He's got his Spetsnaz, but he also has his traditional ground forces. We're so dumb, and our Joint Chiefs is so concerned with you know pondering over the origins of white rage that this idiot didn't look back to see how many times that kind of a strategy, a blitzkrieg counteroffensive, has worked against the... Forget about a superior power. Let's say they miscalculated, and they said, well... You know, Russians aren't as strong as we thought they are, but we're this is roughly an equal fight, even in equal fights or fair fight scenarios. Blitzkrieg don't work as well as people think in their minds, because when they think about Blitzkrieg, they think about Hitler. Right. And they think about Germany using it very effectively. But in almost every single one of those cases, Germany attacked a, a weaker force in a not fair fight, an unfair fight. 
this was an attack on a slightly stronger force, and I would say slightly only because of how much we gave Ukraine, but nevertheless, roughly a fair fight, even if you believed, and I don't think so, but I'm just giving them the benefit of the doubt, even if you believed it was going to be a fair fight, use inexperienced soldiers in the most risky of battle strategies that you haven't done in decades, in decades, you did not have the equipment to do, and you got them all murdered. It's unbelievable. It's an unbelievable battlefield catastrophe. How that's that's counter offensive failed, and they're just going to keep calling for more weapons. They're going to be keep calling for more money. The problem is they're not going to have the men, Frank. Yeah. Most of the seasoned veterans are dead. They're going to need to turn to us and other Western countries. And I'm telling you right now, the older I get, the less, you know, uh, the more adverse. I am to war, the less likely I am to support a conflict. I'll raise hell. Other people are going to raise hell. They're not going to get them. They're not going to get them. I'll even raise hell over, you know, uh, you know, my battles if they ask for advisors. That's not what an ODA is for. I'm sorry. Yep. An ODA is there to liberate the oppressed. They're not oppressed because of the Russians. They're oppressed because they have a totalitarian government that everyone's pretending is a democracy. They don't deserve that they don't deserve those odas those guys have done enough it's time to start scaling down the burden we put on those men which we've been doing it was always a political calculation frank they didn't want to suffer that they didn't want the cnn body count ticker up with a conventional fight so i mean that's even what when i joined frank that's how i got into the 18 x-ray program it's something that they had set up because they wanted more special forces why because it it's less of a body count. It's more politically acceptable. And then when they come home and the VA is ill-equipped to deal with that kind of, you know, those kind of casualties uh, in a regular conventional war, which they were, then you don't hear about it in the media when it's only, you know, your your 12-man ODA going out there and something happening, which most times American public will never hear about anyway. Right. You know, so they have used these guys up and spit them out. By the way, thank you, Chris Pratt, for doing that role in Terminal List, which everyone should watch. You want to see how much they've abused the special operations community for politics. That's a, honestly, I was. I still have not seen that. Ovation for Chris Pratt. I still have not seen that. I remember people going wild for it. I never watched Terminal List. I, I should. And you know, uh, on that, you're talking about body counts. There, another thing that is always going to be hidden is the um, is the 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 foreign volunteer body counts i mean there there were tens of thousands tens of thousands of people pouring in from all over um to be a part of what was a very first emotional you know surge against again this is again we were talking about before this hatred of russia it is just old cold war programming cultural programming that 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 kicked in and there were still some juice left there but everybody that went out there that wanted to go and put on their tactical armor that they bought at uh, dick's sporting goods and uh, get on the front line. It um, it did not uh, it, it did not last very long. We're getting all types of disturbing video coming out. People that yeah. wanted to get the hell out of there. They're being pushed to the front with you know green as as ever recruits, and they were getting murdered. Who knows how many Americans actually have died out there already? That's right. We're not going to get that accounting for a while. And, you know, just to give you an idea of why, I mean, in normal circumstances, how you would not do what they're doing. Even in that program I just brought up, the guys who were in 
they were like, oh, if like an 18 X-ray, even though you went through all the training, if an, in, uh, someone who was originally an 18 X-ray came through the pipeline, doesn't matter whether he ends up an 18 Charlie or an 18 Delta, when he gets to the ODA, those guys are all seasoned veterans. They know what the hell they're doing. You're green, you're green. One 18 X-ray to a new team, that's it. Or at least that was the rule when I was, I don't know if they changed the rules, they probably did. Who knows? But back then, that's it. Why? Why was that? They did not want greenies on, uh, you know, an Operation Detachment Alpha, like with three other greenies. They wanted you in with another vet, with veterans who were tested, who were, um, you know, exact veteran is, that's the word. I mean, that's it. So you can learn from them. You didn't get people killed. There aren't, the, the Ukrainians are not in that position anymore. And they've got, you know, that's sad too, Frank, because it's either us or it's younger Ukrainians because they've already burned through all of those other seasoned vets. Mm. And that's something nobody wants to talk about, but you know, it's not patriotic to send 14 year old boys to the front to die, brother. It's no. not, I'm sorry. No, it's not. It's a, it, it's a very, very bad look and it, it takes a lot of people's hearts out of it because ultimately that's what these wars really are all about, especially the two world wars. They have been instrumental in in fatiguing entire civilizations, entire countries and ancient cultures into this kind of uh, this globalist compliance that, oh, well, we don't want a war like this to ever break out again. Let's start the League of Nations. Let's start the UN. Let's do all this. Let's let's communize the world to make sure that uh, exactly right. I mean, yes. It, every every round is the same, and and when you when you run out of bodies and you're sending 14 year olds out there, um, yeah, well that's that's just one thing. Let me let me bring you back home to the home front. Um, there has been a surge. A lot of people, especially the paid um, DNC shills on Twitter and all that stuff, I have been doing their little. Well, I'm, I'm take a puff. Yeah, now, right? yeah, they've been doing their dance. They've been showing how confident they are that this surge yeah. in the polls. Has um, has really it's there's no teeth to it. Donald Trump is like 10, 10 points ahead of Joe Biden in a lot of places. Aside from confidence in election day shenanigans, let's talk about what is going on in the hearts and minds of people right now. What's the cause for the surge right now? Now you're muted. Sorry. I will tell you this. Do I think that Trump has a 10-point lead among a likely electorate that's going to show up? No. But there is something to that ABC Washington Post poll that, you know, to dismiss it as an outlier, it's just really screwy. I've never seen a news outlet release a poll and then do everything in their power to denounce their own poll. It was the most shocking thing I've ever seen, along with frauds like Larry Sabato, who have been playing impartial observers and pundits forever you know now saying ignore polls like that what like what larry polls that have trump ahead farther than you'd like to admit right and now we had the the messenger poll come out today that was trump plus five that poll has been pro you know pro biden for not this year but that prior year and i wouldn't say pro biden i'm just saying they always had a biden lead so everyone who polled biden somewhat correctly or grossly overestimated his uh popular vote lead in 2020 now have tr it either tied or trump up it really bothered me to see these people do this frank when that poll came out 
Nobody said a damn word when that poll had their final published result for 2016, Clinton plus 12. Nobody said a damn word when they had their final published result nationally for Biden plus 12, plus 17 in the state of Wisconsin. That's that poll conducted by Langer Research for ABC News and the Washington Post. Nobody said a word about it being an outlier then. And now they are saying it because Trump is up. The thing that worked against Republicans in that poll, particularly Trump and others, in 2016 and 2020 is now working against Democrats. And that is, first of all, it could be a bigger sample. If it was a bigger sample, it probably his lead would have been lower. But they're not directing, they're not taking those uh, responses off a voter file. They're not calling uh, validated voters. They're not even verifying whether or not the people they spoke to are in fact voters. They And they say it right in the polling memo. Well, four years ago, eight years ago, that would have worked for Democrats and would have overstated their support. Why does this matter? Because for the first time ever in my lifetime, your lifetime, everyone who's watching their lifetimes, the likely voter sample is less favorable to Republicans and Trump than uh, the the overall population. So normally Republicans would be hoping a lot of these groups didn't vote because then that could mean more Democratic support. Especially with Trump, it's the opposite now. So among non-registered voters, and we've been doing this lately, I'm, I'm, I'm working on something I can't get into yet, but I just, it's all fresh in my mind. Everyone who tests uh, the registered but unlikely population and the non-registered but eligible population sees exactly what I'm talking about. Trump is ahead with people who didn't vote in 2020 by 20 points. 20 points. Hmm. He's ahead with people who aren't registered but are eligible by roughly 20 points. He's ahead with people who are unlikely but are registered by roughly 20 points. So over, actually, with that group. The Washington Post ABC News poll right in the group section of their methodology polling memo says right there that they sampled those people and those people are included in their uh, sample. Why? Something that makes it very difficult for them to um, dismiss is that among those voters they, they did poll in that in that particular survey that voted in 2020. It was Biden plus four, very close to the real result, 50 to 46, when the real result, of course, uh, was 51-47. So, or the real, you know, the the official result, bro, was 51-47. Um, but the point being is that chunk of vote, that Republicans, it's, it's a uniquely pro-Trump vote. DeSantis can't get them. He's only ahead by two in the non-registered. He's way behind. So is everyone else. This is a Trump, unique Trump opportunity. And if Republicans were smart, they would be doing everything in their power to nudge those voters. And um, that's all I can say about, you know. If they that. were if they were yeah. smart. If they were smart. Right. And here's the kicker. You know, the other polls, again, they're all showing this. And I think what it comes down to, Frank, is people don't like, the, they don't like the indictments. Whether they tell you they maybe some of them are legitimate or not, they don't know yet. They don't like the political persecution of political opponents. They don't like what is very clearly a political person. Hold on, hold on there, hold on there, uh, Rich. Uh, you, your, uh, your volume has dropped off significantly all of a sudden. How's that, is that better? A lot better, yeah, go ahead. Okay, sorry. Yeah, I mean, well, they don't me like the, you said they don't like the indictments, which I can, I, I'm, I'm there yeah. with you. 
Yeah. Even normies, brother, they don't like it. Non-whites especially really don't like it. But there's something else that's in every one of these polls, whether it's the NBC poll that came out, the Fox poll, or the ABC that we're talking about that was Trump plus 10. If you look in it, they think Trump was a better president. It really is that simple. The economy sucks. The world's on fire. They don't want to fight the Russians in Ukraine. It's like one thing after the other. And they look back and I told people this was going to happen. This is the Grover Cleveland effect. You have a president who was defeated for a consecutive second term by now the person he's going to rematch. And eventually presidents of presidential elections are A-B tests. We have not modern examples, but examples of people looking back and saying, gee, this person just governed better. My life was better under this person. The country was stronger under this person. Frank, in the ABC Washington Post poll, one fifth, 20% of people who said, yeah, I mean, I guess you should probably block him from running for president, still said, I'll vote for him anyway. This is crazy. It's the biggest F you to the political establishment. It's going it, to, as of right now, it's bigger than 2016. It, it's a bit, way bigger middle finger. 2016 was like, this big of a finger 2024 is showing up to be like a fancy mom you know yes yeah i know well let me ask you this because i i see also see something else that's going on right now um even though i i'm really not paying too much attention but i i look for i look for buzzwords i look for changes in headlines and then and then when something i start seeing a pattern i start going into the details and i get caught up it just helps me save time um but i saw a a, like a severity of the message from trump lately uh, a shift in severity that i actually really liked first of all as far as the invasion that's going on right now uh, it's great to see New York and cities all over the place really starting to get more and more loud. You and I were talking about that last time you were on. But um, uh, Trump is the only one that is saying mass deportations. Um, I also heard him, I think I was listening to Owen Schroyer, uh, a, a clip from Owen Schroyer's show from like a week and a half ago or something, and he played a clip. also was indicted. Right. And he played a clip of Donald Trump. Um, closing out one speech or another, and he even made a comment, Trump said, about how the Department of Education needs to be shut down and that needs to return to the states. I, th- th- I, was, doing, I was doing pull-ups at the time, and I heard that, and I looked over, I went, oh. Got an extra three in. I got, I got an extra three in. Like, yeah. you know, keep, keep talking about <laughs> departments shutting down, please. But, you know, th- there are things like that going on, and uh, I just wonder uh, if that, that, like, upping the ante has uh, has moved the needle at all because that's going to be necessary. I'll, I'll also tell you, uh, we were in the field uh, one day when he, I, I can't remember if he was in South Dakota, um, but the, it was the day after he had given this speech in which he got really emotional about the direction of our country and how they're destroying the country. And he actually had a stop. It was a rare moment where you could see Trump half choked up. And the next day, people referenced that in the in interviews they were they they just never saw that side of him so i think that would really not hurt to show more of that it, but it's got to be genuine of course don't be afraid to show that is what i'm saying um and then also upping the ante is always a big deal i mean now he is fighting for his political life and there he's for many of voters who weren't really republican He's joining a fight they've been in for a while, you know? So everyone has been talking about whether this support with non-whites is real, this increase in support. 
of course it's real. It's, it's only a matter of how big is it going to be. But when we talk to them, what they tell us is that they may have a champion here with this. You know, that this is something they have dealt with the tyranny of the state in one way or you know, shape or form, whether it's an overzealous prosecutor coming at their brother for a drug offense or something stupid, right? Uh, stupid to not, you know, not in the grand scheme of national politics, but they feel that and they they relate to it um so yeah i do i do think that there's there's something happening i mean and i i don't think it clicked out of nowhere i think that democrats overplayed their hand man i you know you and i have been talking about this for a while where he you know had the fundamentals pointing to him being at least a slight favorite and they flipped out and overreacted and indicted the hell out of him because they're afraid when he gets back in, he's you know gonna really do some damage. You're saying he's upping the ante. But there was just an article in Real Color Politics the other day about Biden's administration, really not Biden. Biden's walking around and depends but talking to himself. He's an idiot. He's yeah. senile, he's gone, and he's not there. It's the people around him. And they're doing everything in their power to try to put things in place right now that because now they're realizing oh crap we're, we're gonna lose aren't we like or at least they never give up so don't expect them to roll over they're gonna do whatever they can to stop it but it is dawning on many of them that it's very real that trump could beat them and they could end up under his thumb because of what they have done and so they're doing everything in their power to try to blunt his his ability without you know major big majorities in congress helping him to 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 recede the administrative state and there there's things going on in the background that the voter a lot of times doesn't hear about and they would probably love it if they're conservatives but there's been like these hostile takeovers and some of like these think tank and activist groups you know like heritage and others where they're really trump loyalists and they are making sure their sole purpose is to make sure that Democrats cannot do to him what they did to him in 2016 when he won or in 2017, which was get his government in place, seize control of the government. Trump was not in power in 2017. That's something people really have to understand. The DOJ, Langley, the DNI, they were running amok and they were not beholden to the executive. So he was having a hard time wrestling power away from them and Democrats were giving them cover in Congress by stopping all of his appointees. You know, a president gets his cabinet damn near right away. Nobody challenges stuff like that, not under Donald Trump. And then there were these other appointees. So Biden is moving to remove the pool of presidential appointees to dwindle it down considerably. So these are civil servants, just like anybody who's protected under public sector unions and all those laws that really govern when or when you cannot fire a government employee. So what Biden's administration is doing is weakening the elected sovereign in the executive branch because they're afraid when Trump comes back in, He's going to take a hatchet to it. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you right now, I know from talking to inner circle people, those plans are devastating. The ATF, the FBI, the DOJ, Homeland Security, parts of Homeland Security that they just view to be, um, you know, Frank, there was a need for some of it after 9-11. But then it became what bureaucracies always become, self, you know, perpetuating entities. And they just are in things that they have no business being in. And he intends to take a chainsaw to the executive branch, and they know it, 
and uh, they're trying to do everything they can to basically make it illegal, you know, or to change um, the executive's power over a lot of these roles and a lot of these uh, bureaus and administrations. Well, let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. I think it was very, uh, really easy to see after a little while that... Um I don't know. It's uh, it, he wasn't in charge. I mean, no. s- yeah, he was, and he was given some consolation prizes, and there was a lot of a lot of really uh, a lot going against him. And those who weren't knowing what to look out for, they certainly knew by the end of it all. Um, but let me ask you this: a couple more things before we go. Uh, what do you think about the F thirty five being missing? Uh, <laughs> did you hear that? I mean, all all the the, the every chapter of the story, right down to the nine one one call, doesn't make sense. What do you right? think? Okay. Good, because it doesn't make sense to me either. This does not pass muster with me. You do not lose an F-35. Have you ever seen one of these things, folks? Uh, And then they're acting like it's a 911 call, like some guy's calling in because his car was stolen on a side street somewhere. This doesn't make any sense to me. You know, I'll I'll tell you right now, I am more inclined to believe that Joe Biden had to, like, he's so compromised and he's so bought and paid for. That was like some grand elaborate scheme to give the Chinese technology they're not supposed to have. I I mean, I don't even know what else to think other than something like that, because that doesn't make sense. The military doesn't even operate that way. Uh, It's just crazy. And I mean, do you see what the altitude that he was flying at? 2,000 feet. Landing in someone's backyard and handing the keys off? Like, what the hell was he doing? He said, I mean, the the 911 call said 2,000 feet. 2,000 feet for an F-35 in that area. Now I get if you're on a, you know, you're on a, um, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of acreage range that the military uses, but that was not the case here. I just don't, I get Frank, it's totally perplexing to me. I, I, the only thing I can think of is that this is some kind of a dumb ruse they put on, you know, thinking the American people are ignorant and don't know enough about how these things uh, work, you know, the, the, I, I mean, a piece of machinery like that, brother, they don't just, you know, they're not careless with this stuff. They're not careless with this stuff. Um, I, well, I just don't know how this could happen. I remember when the stealth tech on a helicopter when I was in was like big. It was huge, right? So like F-35 is state of the art and, or at least that one, you know, is supposed to be even more special. Um but in any event, I digress. I remember when they had stealth tech on the helicopters on Apaches, and it was a massive secret. And the ability of like a pilot who's in SOAR, which is a special operations aviation regiment, the ability of that pilot to get clearance to even fly one of those things, and then you know where they could go with it during a training mission, it was locked down. Maybe the military is just lost that much integrity and competency since I've been out, but when, that is not how it operated in well, my day. Well, you know, so in the I, civilian, I just can't believe to, as a civilian, I have just kept up loosely with all of the updates on this fabled F-35, and um, for what they release publicly every <laughs> once in a while, the, yeah, because it, it, it's it's supposedly the, the, the greatest thing ever endeavored uh, in aeronautics. And then on the other hand, there's so many problems, so many bugs that continue to be uh, you needed to be uh, hammered out, worked out. And 
so when I hear that there was a malfunction and somebody had to eject on a training mission or something like that, uh, it doesn't surprise me based on all of the mixed reporting in the years leading up to its, you know, it, it being airworthy. Uh, on the other hand, when you hear an F, uh, a, a 911 call that this that the pilot is in the house, he goes and looks for help. He doesn't ask to use the phone. He lets the owner of the house call 911, and then he gets yeah. on the phone to talk to the 911 operator and tells yeah. the 911 operator that he had a crash, the altitude, all that stuff. Uh, I mean, uh, wouldn't you think that the pilot would say, can I please use the phone? I need to call my base. I got to call my CO. I got to call whatever. What the hell are you even spending any time it's talking? It, nothing makes not- it's not right. That's not that's not SOP. Anybody in the military knows what I'm talking about. That is not standard operating procedure. I just don't know what to say. And I'm like, I actually saw somebody um, had made a comment like, you know, that this, you know, it, it, there is a lot of conflicting about the plane itself. There's a lot of conflicting information. You know, you're told that this thing is state of the art, outfitted with even new stuff, and then. Other people are like, oh, actually, uh, there were questions about the, the fitness of this vehicle. It, it, not, how, I don't know how to, you can even reconcile those two versions. I, yeah, I yeah. don't know. And I don't, uh, again, I just don't believe any element or aspect to this story. It's one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard. Right. Uh, well, let me ask you about this then. Here is a, another thing that is not... Um... I would say not surprising, based on the kind of uh, accusatory, uh, horrible uh, culture that we're in right now. Everybody wants to censor one another and uh, demean their character and just kind of disqualify them from from civic life or just life in general. But what do you think about all of the multiple, again, a, a new round of sexual assault accusations for one person or another? I guess the yeah. biggest name out of this latest batch is Russell Brand. He just did a uh, very, very, very well-watched stream today with Jimmy Dore. There's like 100,000 people watching on, I on Rumble. I that out later. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't seen it yet. It was on Rumble, and of course, R- Rumble was brought into was brought into the the fight there about how here is a god bless them by yeah the way. god bless well they them. were dragged through the mud in very predictable way too and saying that okay well we had a couple of accusations and of course that is when youtube and everybody in the big club they went and they pulled all of their uh they pulled all of their commercials. They pulled all of their support. It's just, you know, you're guilty until proven innocent, all that. But Rumble stood firm. And that is something that um, that now, aside from attacking people like the accused, like Russell Brand, they go after any platform out there that is showing any, any stability in a time like this. Even Elon Musk said, uh, you know, basically like kind of jealous-like, said, you know, that's uh, – I really wish he would have um... – you know, uh, look to us too because we've been so pro free free speech. And I'm like, I even quote tweeted response to him. I'm like, this isn't true, Elon. This isn't no, true at all. It's Alex not. Jones is still banned. My wife, because she was the gatekeeper to the media for me, is still banned. My election projection site, Frank, never fact checked. All we did was cover data, economic and election data, still banned. Right. And by the way, we asked to have those two accounts reinstated. They never were. Yes, 
he got some other people back on. But if he was truly what he says he is, uh, then he would be acting more like Rumble. It's just simply not, he's not on, uh, he is not on par. He's not on the same level as Rumble when it comes to free speech. To respond that way to the British government was uh, just a just a, a gangster move. I mean, yeah. they were, it's boss, they're boss. I don't know how else to put it. And I will say this about Russell Brand's uh, charges. I don't like to knee jerk defend or accuse anybody but russell brand is especially damning to them he is somebody who is well known to be on the left for years um and still is you know, by he, the way still is by the way is. yeah but he's questioning the neoliberal power centers and power structures right the pharmaceutical industries the military industrial complex the corporate wing of the Democratic Party, which is now the dominant wing, and progressives are playing along. It's it's ridiculous. If you're a true liberal, I don't know how you can go along with this. And then, of course, with that, the the template of sexual assault accusations gets dropped on him. It's always the same story, sprinkled with the phrase, you know, with all of these out. We talked to this many women, and then always sprinkled like like they're garnishing an ice cream sundae mm. with one as young as 16. They always do that. They did it to Roy Moore. Most of that crap was BS, too. Um, and by the way, Roy Moore in that case, and I'm not defending him, but in that case, you know, Alabama back then, it wasn't outrageous at all from a guy to come back from military service and, you know, and court a girl who was 16. I mean, Jerry Lee Lewis was a, a state treasure. He married his 13-year-old cousin or something. So mm -hmm. come on, get out of here. Um, but with Russell Brand, I said, all right, I hear there is some evidence. I'm going to wait and I'm going to look, even though I could see I could see the playbook. Well, then I get these texts, right? These uh, text transcripts. And I'll tell you right now, uh, there's a fine line when you're someone like Russell Brand and believe this once upon a time before I was a married man, I was fairly promiscuous myself. So you pig. I understand. Yeah, I know, right? Filthy I mean, you pig. Actually have you actually have people. I can't, believe I, can't believe I actually have you on my show right now. Yeah, I know, right? You've had actually people call you and say, hey, I know that guy. <laughs> So you know what I'm you know where I'm going with this. But it's easy to see how some women, especially in these generations of women, can like really take it to you later on if you piss them off about something. But I, I thought maybe you know, this is a different situation. I read these text messages, Frank, and what I see is not because they're like, this is the this is the smoking gun. This is the smoking gun he raped her. It says no means no in it, and he apologized. And I'm reading the text, and that's not from that's not what that's not what I see because I know you know I know how some of these people think. She didn't want to do that particular act, which requires, I would say, it's fairly wise to have protection, especially with somebody like Russell oh. Brand, according to his own reputation. Oh, but then she did it, friend. So then the next day, she's like. Do I get tested? Really read it. I don't want to get gruesome and I don't want to get, you know, graphic. I, there's no need for that. But read them, find them. I didn't know that these, online. I didn't even know that this, this was publicly available. I didn't, I, I haven't really I'll been following it, it. I got it from somebody, so I don't know if it is publicly available, but I'll send it to you and you read it because it's very clear. He's apologizing, but she is saying, you know, uh, you know, that basically you get this when you get 
messed up and I imagine drunk and high, you get this glaze in your eye and you just, when you're, when you're set on something, you don't take no for an answer. And that's what everyone's really focusing on. But then she says, I pride myself in making good decisions. That one was clearly a bad decision. So I, I reg- and I regret it or something. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, well, decisions, rape is not a decision. You don't regret letting exactly. someone rape you. There's there, what happened is very obvious to me. And that is she wanted to do it. She just wanted to do it with protection. She let him do it anyway. He was being that guy, you know, that which is an annoying SOB. But it's like the girl's like, nah, come on, not like that. And the guy's like, come on, baby. And then eventually she just relents, you know, because she wants to do it. That's still a piece of crap, but it's not a rapist. And then the next day she wants to know whether or not she should be tested. And he said, no, love, I'm not, you know, you don't have to worry about that. And she says, you have a reputation. So doing that unprotected was not a smart decision. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, you just admitted, though, you made a decision. That's not the same as, you know, Frank, he physically held you down. You were saying no, and he did it. That's not what happened here. So that's supposed to be their smoking gun? Then this is a smear. I mean, I don't know what else to say. I, you know, if you read it, I'm trying not to be crude. I'm looking at so I can it see some people's comments in you know in the gl- glancing off. They know what I'm talking about. Okay. You know, if you if you read it, it's a particular act they're obviously talking about, and she felt bad the next day for letting them do it unprotected. Well, you know, uh, like I said, I I haven't read it, but you, <laughs> say it, baby. <laughs> Come on, baby. The, <laughs> I'm sorry. The, don't pay the, the chat room. They, you know what I'm talking about. That that guy, Linda, I'm sure you know the, you know, I, there's always some of them. I don't like that either, but don't let the, the chat room will, will make, if you give yourself over to the chat room, you will be made to do some horrible, horrible things there, Rich. You have to watch yourself, but I, 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 I know what you're getting at, and it's just, again, it's one of those things where you see headlines cluster, and like, wow, okay, yeah. well, these are, the, the it, it's obvious Very here. Very con- concerted and coordinated. And yeah, well, Yes. Uh, that's all, man. Well, hey, aside from that, before we go, what is the uh, is there anything else that has happened that you think is uh, either funny, cool? Um, uh, I don't know. What did you think about the the, the Mexican alien, the paper mache alien? Uh, oh yeah. Uh, I, I, uh, anything. Was, as soon as I saw it, it was from Jaime. Um, Jaime is a, was a journalist who became a ufologist in Mexi- Mexico. Uh, because he was covering a lot of sightings and he got bit by the UFO bug. And that can happen to anybody, trust me, I know. Um, and he's done a lot of things that were discredited later. I know he probably didn't do it out of being like bad faith, Frank. I think he just wanted things to be true and doesn't do his homework or, you know. So I, I don't know why, with his reputation, he didn't get that peer-reviewed before he went public. I don't think he thinks it's a fake, even if they turn out to be fakes. I think he's just that kind of true believer. Here's the problem, because I know a lot of people in the ufology community immediately, um, and some of these guys you see on TV on a certain show, the first text I got was, friggin' Jaime, he's killing us, because he does more damage to us he makes us look stupid, you know? And I get, as soon as I saw it was Jaime, I was like, I, I will wait for other people to comment yeah. about this because, yeah. And then the other thing I would say, you know, real quick is 
man, Taylor Swift is an idiot. Isn't she? What happened to her? Have you seen this? She's like, I want to do this. I want to be on the right side of history. And then she like goes on this like ideological, uh, you know, thing um, against the senator, presumably Trump. It, she was so uninformed. She was it, an emotional basket case. Wait a and second. The media, that. instead of saying, wow, that was a display of what everything that's wrong with American young women, and there's plenty wrong with men. But I'm saying, like, we are a nation that suffers from mental illness badly. And she clearly has that is recent because that's recent because I remember I remember something like that uh, maybe like a a, a cycle or two ago coming out well, where may, may, I don't know but I saw a headline that said she drove maybe I don't know how soon it was recently it was but it got I know why it's getting if it is old I know why it's getting recycled because there was like this study that claimed that she got these these particular trends in voter registrations like that's the taylor swift effect and i had just read something about it so when it first happened i didn't really see it um but uh, you know i i really i don't think celebrities have that kind of power but i will say would i be surprised a couple of them do number yeah i mean a couple do surprised if some number of of you know young women registered just because she was like yeah girl power i feel your pain taylor swift maybe because like i said we are that crazy um i think you would be able to motivate in the office of the gun violence i wanted to talk about i forgot to send you that but whatever i think that they would be able to more easier uh, I think it would be a lot more easier to motivate young women into action like that the, than than men. I think that we would, you know, as far as celebrities go, go, go rock the vote, I think that women, for, I don't have anything to support that. I just think that I think women that would be a little bit more um, prone to, you know, g- getting emotionally motivated to go out there and, and vote for one thing or another and to be on the right side of history and and do it while weeping and then take a picture of yourself as you leave the polling station and all that um but uh They're like secular sadducees man yeah um, yeah the whole thing is messed up the whole thing is messed up it's it's and it's trickling down to so many to so many personal i don't know it, it, there is no more buffer from the the kind of crazy that is going throughout uh, society now but at the same time i think that um there is just as much to be excited about uh, on local levels. I, I see that all the time. You know the other thing too, Rich. I drove into Vermont over the last. Uh, I I drove into Vermont last Thursday, and there's been a lot of talk about population. The, the world is overpopulated again, and this and that, and what's going on with one one country or another. But when I was driving through New England. And I do it every once in a while, and this time I did it again. It's gorgeous, and it's empty. I mean, you you drive by Hartford, you drive by Boston, you know, you can see these cities pop up along the way. But, I mean, there isn't... People don't... Anybody who is going on and on about overpopulation lives in a fucking city, and they have no clue how empty the world actually is and how big it actually is. And... It's just all part of this mind game. I wish that there was just a. I wish that we can get sober without nothing, without something too drastic happening to sober us up. Because there is so much peace to be claimed right now. We can claim peace for ourselves right now if we could just. I don't know. I don't know. I'd rather. I'll tell you 
Frank, that's a, when I do the voter file analysis, I get this from somebody at least, you know, depending on some of these states were, were but they're shocked to see how uh, scarcely dispersed some of the population is in some of these areas. There are, you know, parts of Maine, parts of New Hampshire, Vermont, where there's just nobody, even in Minnesota and their northern states like this as well, in the mid-Northwest, where there is just nobody. Like we think about the Iron Range, which Trump shifted dramatically. Um, but like there are some of those counties, because what I do is I give people a, what's called a rooftop view. And I identify each voter registered on the record and I plot them on the map for people to see. And you know, even in New Mexico, Frank, I mean, that's another one where there's just it's a vast amount of territory where there's nobody there. I mean, it's, uh, you know, that's why the overpopulation thing always drove me nuts, Frank, because it's not that these are in, uh, how do you, what's the word I'm looking for? They're not barren or inhospitable, or is that the word? I think it is, but yeah. they're not uh, inhabitable. You know, they are habitable areas. It's just that, you know, the world hasn't gotten there yet. And when you go and see some of them, uh, the beauty, uh, you know, to me, uh, I often find myself thanking God that they're not, ha you know, being inhabited and being discovered because there are gems everywhere in this gorgeous country. And I, I, I at least until we rectify certain things, I don't want us to bring the filth, you know, I just don't. And that's why I always found Democrats to be fake environmentalists. They're uh, they're climate alarmists. They are not pro environment. Uh, most people that are true pro environmentalists are on the right. They're the ones who appreciate the outdoors, the environment, not an industry, not a technology, the environment itself. Uh, you know that's what needs to be preserved for the way of life that a lot of people on the right like. You know, uh, field to field and stream way of life, Frank. You know, and they don't give a damn about that. No, they don't know. You know. They don't give a damn about poisoning your favorite fly fishing hole, you know, or poisoning your favorite, um, you know, li lily pad enclave where you can catch some largemouth bass or this uninhabited place where, you know, that, that speaking of fabled, you know, uh, whatever point buck that you saw as a kid, you know, you're, you're going to try to chase down and, you know, and get, they don't know anything about that. They don't know anything. They don't, they don't care. They don't know anything about it. And, um, you know, some some people like Florida, Florida Republicans have been very good at drawing that distinction. But that that's an opportunity that largely a lot of Republicans, especially in the Northeast, just have not seized. And that's a shame because you find some of these rural areas where there are quite a lot of liberal voters. And it's because they're voting on totally different kinds of issues and they're isolated. You know, so Vermont is like that. Yeah. You know, where, yeah, you'll find the most adorable little town and everyone's liberal. You know, it's just crazy and they don't get it. Yeah. And that's why we have Senator Bernie Sanders every six years. That's right. Well, it is. Anyway, it Rich, is. Uh, locals at peoplespundit.com or peoplespundit at locals.com. Yeah. You got it. Peoplespundit.locals.com. Yeah. Go check out the public polling project where we, uh, we got one campaign up to fund the Peach State poll which is Georgia, and another one, which is just our national. And when they get close, I just pull the trigger. But, yeah, I can't wait to get back in the field uh, nationally, especially because, Frank, you know, this – I saw you – know, we had Trump leading a little, but I could see that uh, there was a recipe for him to kind of break out a little bit, and I want to see if it, that's – if we find that, like some of these other polls are finding.
Okay, well, we're going to keep up with you. And if anything big happens, crazy, you give me a call. We'll bring you on before next month. Sounds good, brother. All Thanks right. for having me as always. All the best. Same Nothing to you. Love to you and yours, all right? Absolutely, man. Going right back at you. Talk to you soon. Later. There you go, Rich Barris. He's like the uh, gift that keeps on giving. Always know it's going to be a good, easy-flowing show when Rich is on. All right, so uh, we're going to take a really quick break. When we come back, uh, I don't know. I'm going to go through the Super Chats. We're just going to chill for the last half. All right? We will be right back. It's intermission time, folks. Time out to press the like button. Thank you. No, no more dancing for us here in the United States in the streets. There's nothing to... There's nobody getting kissed in time. We'll, we'll be right back. Yeah, intermission. Quite frankly. 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 Quite Quite frankly. 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 Quite frankly, how dare you? No, no more dancing for us here in the United States in the streets. There's nothing that there's nobody getting kissed in Times Square anymore. No. Since the election in 2016, and I've brought this up before, we pardoned our sanctions against Russia.
<laughs> I didn't know what that was. I knew that there was something being prepared, but we didn't know when when the hell that the, the, the hundred thousand mark was going to hit be hit. And you know, I I didn't do anything for fifty thousand or seventy five or anything like that. I think that the last time we made a big deal about hitting a number was ten thousand. But that was great. Thank you, uh, Abe and Cody. Going to remember that one for all time. All right. Well, uh, thank you. And everybody at home, thank you for being a part of this this wonderful ride that is... Uh, it's only just beginning. Let's get into your super chats, shall we? Okay. Let's get into those super chats. Do I do it? Okay. Pause that. Boom. All right. Larkstar. Oh, I got some very generous, a lot of generosity from Lark over here. Thank you for the last six years of dedication to us with your friendship and talents, and you did it against it. all the odds, reaching 100,000 followers. Congratulations. Love it, Lark. Thank you, Lark. Would love if I can actually reach those 100,000. But for the 5% of you that I get to talk to almost every day, I truly do love you. Um, Katie Sky with another generous gift to the show. Uh, Katie is a newcomer, relatively newcomer, about a, less than a year with us, but feels like she's been here for 10. Congratulations, Frank. Road Trip posted a screenshot of the YouTube page that now shows 100K subscribers in the Gilded Chat. You deserve it. Thank you for all the knowledge and entertainment you grace us with daily. You rule the hardest. She also says, oh, Linda Love posted it first. Congratulations, Frank. Linda. Linda was at the retreat. Linda and I were hanging out for like three days, four days. Linda's good people. Katie again says, yes, Frank, you would be able to overpower the Chucky doll, just like you're able, you are able to overpower the great possum. It's okay, you don't have to be afraid anymore. Oh my God. Oh my God. That thing. Graydon Sharp says, hi, Frank, congratulations on 100K. Also, my suggestion for the AIDS memorial, a certain doctor whose name starts with an F hung in effigy. <laughs> I thought you were going to, to quote the, uh, the hangover. I thought you were about to quote the, the hangover, Dr. F. Um, hold on, do I, do I have that? Do I have that over here? Let me see. I think I have that. Oh, I do. Yeah, I'll, I'll save this for some other time, and I'll think of great and sharp when I do it. Stostube says, great Monday, Frank. Rich and the Franklies. Little super chat coming your way to start off the week. It's great. Thank you so much, Stostube. It's great to have you out there. And Hello Kitty says, hi, Frank. Aurora and myself are coming up on the end of our birthday month. Sigh. America is over. The appeals court of Texas just ruled that the DA can no longer prosecute voter election fraud. I did not hear that. But I hope that your birthday month was good. And we're going to find a way to uh, to push past this and keep our heads up and uh, keep balling. We got to keep brawling. All right. Um, let's see here. Going over to Rumble, we're going to go into the Rumble rants. And we got a couple there, I think. Oh, we got one. There it is. Nope. There it is. From Jay Semo says, come on, baby. Love Rich. Love Sunday's show. Uh, glad you had a great weekend. There's plenty to be said about that, too. 
plenty to be said. Let me get to our our foxhole first. Robert Sarns, thank you. Tempo 420. Alan Wrench, Captain Flint. River Pike says, God bless you, Frank. I'll take it. Thank you. Music Man 75 says, plush reminder. Thank you, Jesse. 81138. Tempo again. Congratulations. Chai Possum, we love you, Frank. Congratulations. Stostube, hey, Frank. So what did you do this week, huh? What did I do this week? Well, I did the cold plunge. Thank you, Alan Wrench says, keep on keeping on. And, and Sharon says, congrats, Frank. Thank you for all that you do. It really is a pleasure. It really is a, is a pleasure. I guess with the, the time I have left, I'll just talk about this a little bit. Because I had that retreat in Vermont with Jay Gulinello for perpetual health. And um, we're going to be getting into a lot of deeper themes and really awesome takeaways from that on October 6th when it comes here. Plenty to be to be uh, chopped up. But um, after I made it home Saturday night, Sunday, I was just buzzing. Really, really buzzing. I just I, I, I couldn't wait to get on with Matt Christensen. I couldn't wait to stream tonight. I couldn't wait to just broadcast because you get recharged, not just physically, but spiritually, especially when I get to meet people who are in this audience. That's very big for me because I don't really get out too much. So when I went down to Myrtle Beach to be able to, to meet uh, listeners of both this audience and Dark to Light, uh, that was always very inspiring, especially two years ago in 2022 when I got to meet Abe and his family and Mike from Maryland came out there and met up with us and, and Justin Polgar and his family from Yes Cacao. It is, um, it, it, that was, uh, that was incredible. I was, I was high from that for months and that, that sent me right into the holidays and it, uh, it does a lot for you, you know, and but especially out there in Vermont, it was a different thing. It wasn't a beach. There weren't 10,000 people there. And I was all alone for the most part, especially where I was staying. Lauren and Aurora weren't there. So it was a little bit different. And I uploaded a podcast from the road, like I said I would, pure audio, because I didn't have a camera. And a buddy of mine texted me. And he said, dude, I know it's low tech compared to the usual production, but I thought it was awesome how you could only record audio at this retreat. And I listened to it in the car. It's like the same phenomenon of reading a book versus watching a movie. Your brain is forced into a different mode when the visual is taken away. And I said, yes. Yes. It is. And I, and I that's what I love about it. Because I didn't take any pictures of the Fullerton Inn. The Fullerton Inn in Chester, Vermont. But I am... Oh, oh you know what? Actually, let me go to their website. And see if I could. Oh, okay. Hold on. Everybody was asking me, you know, what? Well, you did you see any ghosts? Because I, I, as soon as I got there, and I settled in and all that, I went to the the farmhouse and I met everybody at the, you know, at the retreat and everybody got together for the first time, and I said, oh well, you know. The, the inn is, is very nice. It's quaint. It's it's haunted, though. But I want to say, it. I'm not trying to be disparaging here. I'm going to be very clear about what I mean. All right, let's see here. The Fullerton Inn and Restaurant. I didn't eat there. Let me see if they have guest rooms. Guest rooms. I was in a queen suite. That's not it. No image. 
That's it. That's it. Queen Sweet 14. That's it right there. It doesn't get any. It doesn't get any bigger. Now this looks very dollhouse like. Didn't feel that way when I was there, and the uh, the lights weren't that balanced. <laughs> but there was something else. There was a back room. Do they have it? There it is. There was a back room where there's this, there's this, this twin bed there. So you walk into this. It was a suite. It had a, a twin, and then there's the queen. It was something. Um, and hold on. There, there, you'll see the table that I did the recording on. Where is it? There it is. Hold on. Stop that. Stop. Why the hell is this thing? You know, nothing goes right. There it is. That right there. You see that? That was the one I did. Sat right there and I recorded it. But um, it wasn't that doll that dollhousey when you were in it. It's there's definitely a hundred fifty year old Victorian ghost with a frilly nightgown in that twin bed every night. Okay, with a frilly all nightgown with all the frills and all that stuff, just sleeping in the bed, not bothering anybody. I'm trying not to be very disparaging here, because it's not the the the, the owners. The they were really really nice, and I liked it there. My first night when I sleep anywhere after traveling, I have a hard time sleeping just because I'm hopped up from the traveling. Second night was fine. Third night was fine. But um, when I say it was a little haunted, I just mean that you can feel generations of human activity in that inn. You can feel it. There's a residue. We leave residue behind. The staircases, the narrow hallway, the old cast iron radiators. And that is the story of entire towns like this all across the country. And Chester, Vermont was founded in 1761. So, I mean, this is almost as ancient as you can get in America, in New England. I mean, this is as ancient as you can get in the New World as far as America goes. I know that there's native history too, but this is... There's just so much there, and it, it got burned twice, once in the 1800s, once in 1920. I got all of the, the history from one of the new owners there. But I really want to do stuff like that more often. It made me feel really cozy that I was inside this old inn. There's no televisions, but they happened to have some Wi-Fi. And with that, I had just enough technology to get me to record some audio to create a hotspot on my phone and to upload this message out to whoever would hear it. And at least a few thousand of you have heard it. It's a little 20-minute spot. Just a testament of how miraculous the age is. And I, um, the age that we live in. And I also loved that I had almost, uh, in a way, flipped the script on my wanting to reach people that are living in small cottages in the woods. You know that? I want to know from you guys and gals. The trucker is overnight. Now I had an opportunity to actually send the message from one of those remote quieter locations with very little on my side and it was really really awesome like a virtual message in a bottle i love that a aspect of it all but as far as the retreat goes it was amazing and jay and his partners kathleen and nurse jenny they are consummate professionals world class world class i don't care if the world doesn't know them yet but they're world-class, and I know that this is going to only get bigger and bigger and bigger and more successful as time goes on. Uh, the, the 20 or so people that were there, very, very lucky. They were very lucky to be treated to such incredible information, 
to such incredible food, the hot coffee, the bone broth on tap all weekend, hikes through the mountains, cold plunges. I did my cold plunge. I stayed in for four minutes and 30 seconds. Four minutes and 30 seconds. Um, it, but then I look back at the video, and I'll get you guys some shots. Because I wanted, I wanted it to be, uh, I wanted it to be filmed so I can just analyze my, myself physically. Because I know it would just, I would be outside of myself, and there would just be focusing on breath and nothing else. It wasn't until about maybe two minutes, fifty seconds, that I that the tops of my shoulders got under, under the water. I I guess I thought I was under. I was just, I was just there. And breathing and but anyway four minutes 30 seconds that was quite an experience and I will do it again no doubt about it I will do it again and the, the, but then there was the sauna got right into the sauna I didn't do the red light therapy I wanted that but there was exercise but it was all paced perfectly there was plenty of downtime plenty of socializing chilling this was not exhausting at all it was really really amazing and there's just perfect amount of challenges along the way that made you walk away from this and say I did something that I thought I couldn't do and now I'm going to bring this with me into my old life at home which is another weird thing because usually it's the case when you leave vacation you go back home and you're trying to detox from what you did on vacation you tend to eat more you tend to eat a little bit more sloppy you tend to drink a little bit more you party a little bit harder and then you come home and you try to detox and get yourself back on track since i've been at home i've been in the process of retoxing which is odd you know the challenge to maintain any semblance of retreat level cleanliness is, is very hard, but I'm doing the best I can, and I think I've been doing a pretty good job because, you know, New York is one big loaf of garlic bread. So, I mean, there's it's you gotta, you got to have balls of steel. And speaking of balls, like I said before, there were testicles and things. You couldn't tell that they were testicles at one time, but there was, a, uh, there was an organ meat chili that had liver and heart and testicle and some, you know, this and that. Um, the chocolate, the special edition chocolate that Yes Cacao made, I hope they start making it just across the board. The, the, the his chocolate, it's the, it's the best, I, I told Justin, I think this is the tastiest chocolate you've ever made. It's the most chocolatey chocolate they ever made. But there's, you know, these, this organ, I guess powder, desiccated organ meat and all that stuff that has been powdered and, and put into this. And it, it's fantastic. It's, been, it's, it's fantastic. It really is. But we'll get all the details with Jay next Friday. And um, it was all capped off by my improvising. My first panel-based interview with, you know, with crowd participation at the, uh, at the farmhouse. And in, uh, at the end, I got to answer questions from many of the people in the audience and talk candidly about a lot of stuff because 90% or more of the people there watched this show. And they drove as far as Wisconsin. And I know that more would have been there from much farther away if there had been room, but that was part of the big eye-opening thing for me, that I'm really grateful to get personal with people and to know that if I ever thought of a really great event to put on that was just for Franklies and Franciscans, that we'd be able to do some really special things. And it would be well attended. That's what made me start thinking. I, uh, I really appreciated that. I really do. It was it was fantastic, and I'll talk more about it. 
just wanted to tell you. And if you haven't listened to that little update from the road, then please go ahead and do it. Because it was fun. That was really fun. Okay. Um, so So Dude says, congrats on 100K. Probably happened last year, but congrats. Yeah, it probably happened a couple of years ago, but we just didn't see it, right? I know. I know. I think about it. You guys and gals. All right. Let's go and uh, let's wrap this one up. Car Guys New England says, congratulations. Time to apply for your silver play, silver play button on YouTube. Send me the link where I can do that. I at least want to hit, you know, do the application process before they, maybe it'll come in. If I can just survive. I know that it takes a while for that to show up, but maybe it'll come in before something bad happens. And maybe something bad won't happen. Then again, we're heading into some uncharted waters. That's that. That's all for tonight. Thank you guys and gals for everything. Thank you, Rich Barris. It's good to be back on. Tomorrow we will have a, uh, a shorter episode because of band practice right afterwards. But, man, oh, man, look at the guest schedule for the rest of the week. Wonderful, wonderful guests. Wednesday, Thursday, and then Friday we're going to cap it off the way we always do. And I, I hope that you're here with me for it all. So good night. Talk soon. Please become a sponsor because even though we did a little something special on YouTube tonight that's been building for years, there is no monetization there. Uh, I do not get monetized for any views, any plays, nothing like that. This show lives, dies, and grows based on the voluntary action of people who love the show and realize that they wouldn't be the same with it out of their lives. They want to make sure that there's something there keeping it going into the new world because 100,000 ain't nothing. 100 million. Let's see if we can get to 100 million. 100 million viewers. Biggest show on the planet. Is it possible? I don't care. Every night I got 100 million people watching in my head and I have a wonderful time and that's all that matters. And, um, and everyone in the audience is worth a million each. That's the real, that's the real story of tonight. Until tomorrow, my friends, good night. Good night. And always remember, that's... Quite frankly, as film before the live studio audience. And now, our super chatters, starting with Car Guy New England. Hello Kitty, Stostube, Great and Sharp, Katie Sky. Lots from Katie Sky. Larkstar, thank you to Jay Semo. Thank you to all my friends on Pilled. And stay tuned after the... After the credits, I'm going to play you that 100K video again, and then go to quitefrankly.tv and enjoy the rest of the evening. After hours programming, do it!
SecretAnchorCBD.com. I had a good time with SecretAnchorCBD over the weekend.